Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Connie DeMarco. Now, Connie writes a couple of series. Uh, her primary one right now is Zodiac Mysteries featuring an astrologist. And I had a great conversation with her, and I thought it was pretty interesting because, uh, as I mentioned in the interview, a lot of people buy into astrology very heavily. A lot of people, myself included, think it's complete uh, uh, nonsense. Um, and yet it still uh, is integrated into our daily life. Everybody knows what their astrological sign is and so forth. So uh, it was interesting that that's the focus of her books. Um, and she's a delightful person, and I really enjoyed interviewing her, and I think you'll enjoy hearing what she has to say. Uh, but before we get to Connie, I do need to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something that you dig, then you can head to their website, which is downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. All right, so without any further ado, let's meet Connie DeMarco. Well, hello, Connie, and welcome to the show. Hi, Frank. Thank you. Uh, so I want to jump right into uh, the books that you write because you actually write under two different names that I'm aware of. I don't know. You might be sneaky. You might have more more pseudonyms I don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> but but <laughs> as Connie DeMarco, uh, you write the Zodiac Mysteries, right. and and there's been three of those. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about those because they star uh, Julia Benatti and she's an astrologist, right? Yeah, she's an astrologer. I wanted to set a series in San Francisco because I used to live there and it's, it's a fabulous place to set a series. And Julia is an astrologer. I wanted my protagonist to have uh, an unusual occupation. When they were first published, actually, they were first published by Midnight Inc., which is an mm -hmm. imprint of Llewellyn worldwide, and they were determined to promote these as cozies. And they're not really. They're traditional mysteries with darker elements. But the first, I saved this for the podcast, the first book cover I ever had was this one. Can, can you catch that? Uh, we're audio only, but, oh, okay. uh, but, but hold it up and let me describe it. The Madness of Mercury is the first book. And it's a it's a, it's a living room, right? With a coffee a table. Psychedelic apartment with a cat. Yeah. yeah. So, and an open laptop and a fireplace right, and right. a lot um, of cozy elements there. Yeah. But Midnight Inc. went out of business and then uh, Suspense picked this up. And this is the new cover, which so, is much better. Yeah. So the new cover is more of a. Uh, solid background on the on the top half of the book a uh, really cool uh, blue background with it looks like maybe some lightning bolts or something and then the city below it of uh, san francisco right right yeah it's been called moody and evocative Ooh, which yeah I, yeah moody and evocative. so um so there are three so far and it took me about a year to get my rights back uh and once i did then suspense was able to re-release these and the next one to come up is number three. Then there'll be hopefully a novella, which is set before the series begins. Ooh, and then number four and number five, which I'm 
just finishing up now. So is Julia, is she an astrologist at the beginning of the series or does she become one and we follow her on her like journey of discovery? She is in book one. Uh, that's what the novella is about because a lot of people wrote to me and they said um, she would like to know how she first became interested in astrology. We want to hear more about her family, her grandmother, how she found her cat, this, this kind of thing. Uh, so that's what made me decide to write the novella. Mm-hmm. And it kind of answers all those questions how she first became interested. So astrology is an interesting topic because it is one of those things that there's a pretty polarized view of it. I mean, you have people who believe that there are elements of it or even all of it is is factual and and true. And then there's people who, you know, think it's complete you know, cocky poo poo. And, and, and I, I don't know that there's a lot of people, a whole lot in between, but it's interesting to me because even those people, and I put myself in this category who think it's complete rubbish. Um, I still know I'm a Leo, you know, and my wife's a Sagittarius and this kind of stuff. So it, it, it has infused our popular culture so much that a lot of people don't even believe in it, but it's, it's, it's so, you know, why do you think that is? And, and why do you think there's that polarity? Oh, I think it's probably a centuries-long PR campaign by the Christian churches, frankly. I I think of it as a frame of reference, uh, like psychology. Mm -hmm. It's it's a way to look at, you know, in a natal chart, an individual, uh, the gifts that they are born with and the challenges they have to overcome and how that individual evolves over their lifetime. Now, it's not, it's not carved in stone. You know, we're, we're given certain things. How we respond to them is our choice. So if, if somebody loves astrology, if they completely uh, believe astrology, maybe even dabble in it themselves, what would that person enjoy about the series? Well, I I don't want to overwhelm people with astrology. A couple of reviews have said, gee, I I just, it was too confusing. I sort of skipped over that. And that's fine. I I don't care. My desire is just to write a good book, an entertaining Mm -hmm. book. If they love astrology or hate astrology, I really don't care. I've gotten some um, emails and Facebook messages from extremely religious people. You can imagine what some of those were like. I don't see the conflict between being a, a follower of a particular church and enjoying astrology. I don't, I don't see where the conflict comes in. But I do think, I really do think it's probably been a centuries-long campaign by the Christian churches to uh, denigrate and minimize astrology and turn it into some sort of pagan practice that is against God, which is kind of what this first book is about, because in the first book, I was living in San Francisco at, during the Jim Jones years. Do you recall those? Mm-hmm. Guyana, yeah. And um, that sort of was the jumping off uh, point for, for this first book. In The Madness of Mercury, uh, an evil preacher comes to the city and he wages war on sin. And essentially anyone who doesn't agree with him is an abomination unto the Lord. And that includes uh, astrologers gays, uh, anyone who doesn't follow his strict uh, line of religion. And what he's actually doing is he's targeting the wealthy and the elderly and 
he takes his revenge upon people who don't agree with him through his uh, following the army of the prophet. And Julia becomes a target of the Reverend when she speaks out uh, um, in her newspaper column. She writes an advice newspaper column, and she speaks out against uh, this so-called church because they are asking people to turn over their life savings and their property, and she uh, believes they should be investigated. And from then on, from that point on, she's completely harassed and uh, driven out of her apartment and uh, has to take on the army of the prophet. So definitely not a cozy based on that description. Um, so what, what, is there a progression throughout the series for, for Julia? Does she become more adept at her craft uh, or, or does, she, does her life change radically? Or did you like to go with more of the static protagonist approach? I wouldn't say static. Uh, the first three books, not a lot changes in her life. A lot of uh, women who, who've read these books uh, want to see romance, and that's fine. Uh, when you write a cozy, you, can't pop, you can have romance, but no sex. But I didn't want Julia to be hooked up. I wanted her to stay alone more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. romance without sex is like you can come in the kitchen and smell the food but not eat. I'm not too excited exactly. about that prospect. <laughs> yeah, I've had um, a lot of lines cut from the other series. <laughs> well, that's an excellent segue because I did want to touch on that. You write as Connie Archer, and that series is most definitely cozy, the Soup Lover series, right? Is that, did I get right. that right? Mm -hmm. um, and whereas the astrology, the Zodiac series with, uh, with Julia is set in San Francisco, this one is on the complete opposite coast. Right, right. Well, the Connie Archer books, the Soup Lovers, um, I had written two books in the Zodiac Mysteries, and I was hoping that my agent would be able to sell them. And what happened in the meantime was I was completely out of the blue, offered a three-book deal from Berkeley Prime Crime, and I had never actually published a book, so I was a little free. Uh, <laughs> and also, so. I'm, not a cozy, I'm not a cozy reader, so... Uh, this was, you know, I struggled with this and I thought, okay, it's a soup shop. It's in Vermont. Originally, I'm from New England. That's not difficult to do. And, uh, and I had to ask questions of my editor, like, can my protagonist have a sex life? Uh, can she do this? Can we swear? Uh, what, you know, uh, and the thing is that, you know, we always write from an inside place and other authors have, have called my Soup Lover series dark cozies uh, because the crimes don't always happen off stage. And uh, I keep the main characters very close, a lot of chicken soup for the soul, um, but anything and everything can go on in that village. Maybe Midsummer Murders would be a close analogy to the Soup Lovers. Yeah, that's interesting to me that you refer to him more as a dark cozy because you know the the book covers the descriptions the premise you know they all scream classic cozy and if that's somebody's if that's what they like then they're going to get a healthy uh, portion uh, it looks like um, so it's interesting to me that it actually plays out slightly differently so the the main character in the soup lover series is uh as i read it anyway is lucky jameson Right. Mm -hmm. 
she, I guess you would describe her as an ingenue. Um, her parents have been killed uh, just before uh, the holidays um, in a car crash. And she's forced to come home to her village, to Snowflake. And there's only her grandfather left, and he's been trying to run the soup shop on his own. And she doesn't plan to stay, but ultimately she doesn't about face and decides to, to stay on and to run the soup shop with her grandfather. And, of course, the soup shop is a great device because people, everyone from the town pops in there to eat and share gossip. It's a great device. And plus, plus tourists get, could drop in on their way through. Yeah, right. And Lucky um, gets to hear, well, the first, the first book, A Spoonful of Murder, a winter tourist is found frozen to death in a snowbank behind the soup shop. Lucky's chef, who, as it turns out quite by coincidence, had a very bad history with this woman in the past, is arrested for her murder. Mm-hmm. So if she's going to keep her soup shop running, she has to get her chef out of jail. Uh, and that's how the series kicks off. So every story has a, a different crime, but there's always something that pulls Lucky into it. And actually, I mean, this wasn't my first choice to write, but it ended up being a great training ground, an immensely great training ground. And I really enjoyed writing these books, and they're actually very close to my heart. And they became tremendously popular. Every single one of them did. I just I want to read these titles for the listeners because I they're just perfect. <laughs> so you got a spoonful of murder, which uh, which I, I love in the description. You say an icy blonde tourist is found frozen to death behind the shop. That's awesome. Uh, and then a broth of betrayal, a rue of revenge, <laughs> and this is my favorite: ladle to the grave. Yeah, I am. And then a clue in the stew. Now I, I'm not saying that. You know, uh, all signs point to murder and tail the dragon. Those are, are great titles, uh, but there's a, you know, there's a a branding almost of the titles in that in the cozy series that are that really play well. And, uh, in addition to the covers, which are very uh, very linked and similar, and and have that kind of uh, New England uh, uh, portraiture sort of yeah l- yeah l- look you're right. to them. So that series is over, and you have a new one in the the Zodiac series, jumping back to Julia Bonatti before we go here, uh, mm-hmm. and that is Tale of the Dragon. Now, you know, San Francisco is a super interesting city. It's got a lot of diverse things going on uh, from the business world to the social to the artistic. Um, certainly, the Chinese influence is an element of the city. What's what's so? What's Tale of the Dragon about, and how does that? I mean, I'm assuming that that aspect comes into play. Tale of the Dragon is actually an astrological reference, uh, which the reader isn't going to get until towards the end of the book when Julia figures out who the who the real criminal is. Julia, in between the time her fiance died and the time she became a full time astrologer, she worked at a law firm. She had just received her master's and she was planning on a teaching career and she was so devastated that she could not go on. And so she just took a job, ended up at a law firm and um, until she got back on her feet. What happens in Tale of the Dragon is her former boss, who is now a client, an astrological client, contacts her because uh, 
attorneys at his law firm have been getting death threats. And he begs Julia to go undercover to come in just for a week while his secretary's on vacation and keep her ear to the ground and find out what she can. Uh, he's reported this to the police. He's done everything he possibly could do, but he doesn't want to make it completely knowledgeable to the firm just in case there are people who haven't gotten death threats and are freaked out. So that's how it starts until uh, the morning that Julia arrives at the firm, the first body of an attorney is discovered. Uh If you don't like attorneys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was a police officer, so I have mixed feelings about attorneys. So (laughs) I I really envy, I really envy that uh, law enforcement knowledge that you and lots of other writers have. I I wish I had more of that. Well, it does help when you're writing procedurals for sure. Um, But, but I think any special knowledge will, you know, can help. Uh, Certainly. I don't know anything about astrology. So if I were writing in that realm, you know, I, I'd be stuck, and, and you have well, that knowledge, so. You're a Leo, so. <laughs> That's about all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where uh, your uh, rising uh, sign is? I have no clue. Uh, all <laughs> I know is I'm a Leo, and my and my wife's a Sagittarius, and that's supposedly oh, a good is? match. Oh, that's and perfect. she reminds me frequently that, yes, you are Leo. Everything's all about you, and that's how it yeah. So we, we have that uh-huh. discussion occasionally because I. I'm a, a Sag with my moon in Leo, so that's really uh, funny. Well, I always bridle at that characterization. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But she she says it lovingly. Um, so this is series is not over. There's books four and five. Um, what do you have titles for either of those yet that you'd like to tease? Uh, book four I've called Serpent's Doom. Ooh, that's awesome. And, and book five. The title comes from a Maya legend. Title I'm pretty sure I, I would like to use is The Light from Beside the Sea. Uh, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, Connie. And, oh, um, and thank and you, Frank. It's been a lot of fun. Same here. Thank you. All right, folks, there you go. A good picture of Connie DeMarco and her books. I think if you enjoy cozies, you will love her uh, her cozy mystery series. And it, whether you are into astrology or not, the Zodiac ones, I think, uh, sound pretty interesting to me. Uh, as she said, it's all about the story, regardless of where you stand on the topic. A quick bit of Zafiro news, uh, just letting you know that Code 4, the fourth book in the Charlie 316 series is now available from Down and Out Books. I wrote this series with Colin Conway. It is a four-book arc, and it is finished. So whether you're waiting to find out what happens uh, or you want to binge the series, you can you you can do whichever you prefer because Code 4 is now available. I will also let you know that my short story collection, Sugar Got Low, uh, which has 13 short stories, some of them River City, many of them not, Uh, will be out in mid-January, so you can pre-order that now if you like. Uh, You can check out Code 4 or Sugar Got Low at my website, franksfero.com, or uh, you can go to anywhere that you get your books and do a quick title search. All right, I want to say thank you to Connie for coming on the show and for hanging around a little bit afterwards and uh, talking a little genealogy and other things. And uh, also to Down Out Books, of course, for sponsoring the episode. And of course, to you, the listener, uh, thanks for continuing on this journey. 
Also, I would encourage you to uh, support the authors that come on the show by checking out their work, whether you buy their work or borrow it, uh, get it from the library, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, if, if it sounds interesting to you, please check it out. Uh, on our next episode, we're going to talk to James Bishop. Until then, this is Frank Safero reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime. <laughs> <laughs>